I happened to be traveling last week and found myself in a couple of airports a couple of times. And like many of you, I'm sure, not having brought any reading material onto the plane, I immediately made my way towards the bookstore in the airport in Charlotte. And one book out of all the books that were there leapt off the shelf, kind of grabbed me. Now, Daniel Pink is not an author that only grabs me. He's written best-selling works like Drive, A Whole New Mind, When, and many more. But his newest book, The Power of Regret, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm somebody, as my wife will tell you, who's tried his whole life to not regret, and I regret that. Essentially, Regret is a book about the positive power of the potent negative energy or emotion that is regret. Pink is a social scientist, and so like Malcolm Gladwell and others, he amasses a remarkable storehouse of scientific literature. He paints a picture of the many ways in which we wish our lives had been different. Pink sees as dangerous the colloquial adage that is found in the song, I have no regrets. To live one's life with no regret, which of course can be found in many New Age book as well as in other places. To live one's life as if one has no regrets. For Pink is a catastrophe. Pink writes, to live life with no regrets is not only impossible, but extremely dangerous. Regret combines two unique capacities we humans possess, he writes. Namely, our ability to travel in time and our ability to imagine. And especially our ability to imagine counterfactuals, which of course means an alternate reality of what actually took place. Not the facts as they were, but the facts as they might have been. Regret is not the same, he writes, as disappointment. The distinguishing feature between these two emotions, of course, is that disappointment is more often than not an experience of that which you had no control over but were disappointed by. Regret is both a combination of remorse and disappointment coupled with agency. The belief that one could have done something differently and didn't. This, of course, is a feature of many of our lives. We regret our choices, our inaction or action at different moments, and the pain that is left behind. Pink divides regret into four broad categories with deep structures that include many surface expressions of that deeper structure, but the fundamental foundations remain. The deep structure he discovers is called foundational regrets, boldness regrets, moral regrets, and connection regrets. Foundation regrets are the regrets of inaction in the face of resources. 
Foundational regrets are things like, I had all the time in the world to, to read books before I got married. And now I wish I had used that time. Foundational regrets are, I, I could have eaten differently. I could have put more into the stability place in my life. That's a foundational regret. And in that swath, that bucket of regret, things like, I wish I would have gotten another degree. I would be more stable. I wish I had saved when I had the money and now I haven't. Those foundational regrets are the first category. The second category are boldness regrets. I met her on a train, said one man in his remorse. We connected right away and as she got off the train in Belgium, I with my ticket to continue on to Paris, I should have gotten off the train. I should have been bolder, I should have taken a risk. In contrast to the first bucket of foundational regrets, the regret in the category of boldness is not about what you had all the time and energy to do, but what you didn't take a risk on. Why didn't I try? Why didn't I drop out? Why did I listen to my parents when they said I should be a doctor when I knew I should have been a rabbi? <laughs> the second and third categories, moral regrets and connection are where we're going for the rest of this divar. Moral regret includes all manner of remorse and regret and wish I had done it differently. I wish have, I could have, I should have done when it comes to the violation of our own moral and ethical code. I should have. I should not have de deceived. I should not have been in. I should have had fidelity. I shouldn't have taken that chance of breaking my code. One mother wrote about how she had yelled at her child when her young child had spilled something on her uniform and held that for the rest of her life, she had broken her own code and felt she was in violation, a lack of alignment, something was off. She was in dis-ease around it. That bucket of moral choices is broad, but nonetheless it shares the deep structure, says Pink, of moral regret. And the last bucket, of course, is the biggest one, connection regret. I had all those friends, but I just lost touch. I can't believe I allowed that small matter to become a rift in my relationship with my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, my sibling, my coworker, my grandchild, my friends, my congregants, our community, our fellow citizens, our world order. The regrets of connection are about the basic structure of our life which needs love and we didn't maximize love. And Pink's argument is that the power of regret allows us, it forces us, because it sears itself into our hearts and minds, because we are left with the counterfactual of the way things could have been but were not, becomes, if used appropriately, the impetus, the catalyst for future growth. And that those who lack remorse and regret, those who actually avoid remorse and regret because they say things that are fanciful, like, I would like to live my life with no regrets. I have no regrets. I don't live that way. I just go forward. Pink argues that actually, first of all, is impossible. But worse, you actually don't mind the power of regret. If used properly, says Pink, regret becomes the way that we change our world for the better. With the memory fresh in mind of an experience that could have been otherwise, not paralyzed, of course, by rumination, 
paralysis because we can't not think about what we did wrong, but by a healthy dose of remorse and regret, we actually become those who make our lives and the lives around us better because of that regret. This is, of course, on my mind because of where we are in the Jewish cycle. Tomorrow morning in shuls around the world, we'll be reading two portions. We'll take two Torahs out of the ark behind us. One will begin the book of Leviticus. And the next will be a reading about the arch enemy of the Jewish people known as Amalek. Leviticus, of course, is the last book that most rabbis or congregants wants to read in synagogue. It details ancient, deeply, seemingly irrelevant sacrificial offerings that were offered in the temple precinct in Jerusalem thousands of years ago with the precision of an airline manual. Which animal for which sin, which animal for which celebration, which animal for what. But at its core, the sacrificial system is rooted in one word, a korban, which means intimacy, to come close. It describes a pathway for those who have made mistakes to make amends and make things right. The entirety of the sacrificial system is rooted in regret. The entirety of the sacrificial system is rooted in the reality that human beings have the ability to look at their lives and say, wow, I screwed that up, but now what do I do with it? What do I do with this energy? What do I do with this remorse? What do I do with this sadness, this pain? What do I do with how life might have turned out? The Torah in its brilliance recognizes that if human beings were left in that position, we would die of despair. We wouldn't ever be able to wake up in the morning if we were to have a long list of things that we could never go forward with. And it wouldn't help to listen to Adya Shanti until we were blue in the face or to read Tibetan Buddhist manuals about non-duality. It wouldn't matter because in the end of the day, we human beings are pre-programmed, hardwired to notice what we could have done differently, to notice our mistakes, and we would sit with that burden. And along comes the Torah and says, Here's a way out. Here's a way out. Put your hands on this animal and say out loud, I really screwed up. It's called Vidui. And then say out loud, and I'm going to do it differently next time. And rinse and repeat. And with each successive turning of that cycle of regret and remorse, mean it more and more and feel the pain of what might have been, of what you could have done differently in your moral choices, how you didn't have to lose members of your community over a stupid little thing like that, or members of your family over a stupid fight that you forgot about three months ago or, or five years ago. Remember that your moral choices and your connection points are what you value the most, and remember that the key to feeling differently about your life is feeling the pain so searingly of that last mistake so that you will now do it differently. The woman wrote about her child. She said from that moment after she realized that she'd broken her own moral code, she felt such a deep pang of remorse and it got thicker and thicker and she hated herself. And at this moment you're saying, oh, she could use a good dose of affirmations so she can love herself. But no, she sat with the discomfort. She didn't make it romantic. She felt how she had violated her own code. And she wrote, anonymously, that she never did it again. 
And to this day, it keeps her up at night. She still thinks about it. Like King David who said, Libi chalal et natati I place before me at all times. So that when it comes again, as Maimonides says, you do it differently. Because that's human growth. And we read about Amalek, our arch enemy. The name of that parsha is called Zachor. Remember, Zachor, Asher Salacha Amalek Baderech B'Tzedchani Mitzrayim, Asher Korcha Baderech. The original "Never Again" is Amalek. The original "Never Again" in Jewish history is: it happened once. Watch for the signs. It'll happen again if you're not diligent, if you don't look closely. You might become, as Elie Wiesel wrote, apathetic. You might become inured because the news cycle will change and the image of children on streets who have been taken by shrapnel, dropped by a deranged pathological narcissist, will become banal. Never again. Do it differently this time. Do it differently this time. Use your remorse, your regret as a civilization, as a society, as a culture, as, a, as humanity, to do it differently. It screams to us each and every week, month, year of our lives individually, of our lives collectively, and of our global community. Don't forget. Use the pain of what was and what might have been as a catalyst for what yet could be and should be in the world. It's hard not to look back over the last two years and imagine both disappointments and remorses and regret. It's hard not to look back over the course of two years where now we're at six million lives lost to this pandemic, a number that is eerily, eerily visceral for us as a Jewish people. It's hard not to look back and both acknowledge the grief and the disappointment of the things that we had no control over, but that nonetheless we experienced, and also think about the things that could have been different and must be different going forward. It's so vital for us as humans in this community called humanity to work with the angst and the pain of choices made or not made, so that we might become better able to harness that power to make new choices. It's the same here, of course, locally in the Roma community. It's hard for me as someone who, as I said when we started, thinks about all the counterfactuals all the time. It's hard for me to not think as we open up again and see one another that there'll be faces that we miss that there'll be faces that are no longer here or their faces that we have to get used to seeing again. It's hard not to replay moments in this community, in my own heart and mind, about the way things could have been and should have been but weren't. That lives with me each and every day. And I'm sure it lives with many of you here in this community. And I feel strongly that that regret will become a catalyst for future growth, for things done differently, for mistakes avoided this time. That is the promise of the power of regret.
That is the promise of the power of Vaikra, of Korban, of coming close, of knowing that there is a path to do things differently. And it is the warning and the exhortation of Parshat Zachor. Never again rise up, do it right this time, or you'll regret it. Please rise.